It's early afternoon on an ice cream perfect weather day and I'm at the Van Leeuwen scoop shop at Rockefeller Centre. Can I try the praline, the praline butter cake? Flavour-wise, there are the stock standard favourites like chocolate, but also less standard fare like Earl Grey and brown sugar cookie dough brownie. Actually, I think I want to get the Sicilian pistachio. Is that like the favourite? Or... Yeah, yeah. Heat waves have dominated this summer, which you'd think would make ideal business conditions for something like Van Leeuwen. Not so the company co-founder Ben Van Leeuwen told me. It's actually bad for business. When you go above like 85, sales go down a little bit. So our prime is like 75 to 80, no humidity. Is that because people don't like going out? Yeah, I mean, if you want to not go outside, ice cream shops, restaurants, bars are probably gonna make a little less money. It's still summer, so we're still doing great, but like, it's not the hotter the better. I'm Miriam Hall, and Ben Van Loon is my guest on this episode of BizNow Reports. We're back from summer break, and what a summer it has been so far. We've been covering the Federal Reserve's approach to interest rates, defaults, the state of the office market, and the recent scandal surrounding Nightingale Properties and crowdfunding platform CrowdStreet, which has seen $63 million of investor dollars allegedly embezzled. These are all stories that we'll be covering on later episodes. But for today, a bit more of a summary subject, the growth of this rapidly expanding ice cream company and how real estate fits into its success story. At the end of 2021, Van Leeuwen had fewer than 20 scoop shops, but by the end of this year, they'll have almost 60. They sell to thousands of grocery stores too, so no matter where you are in America, you can get a Van Leeuwen ice cream within 20 minutes drive. Last year, they commercialised nearly 100 new flavours. They've taken on private equity funding too, and expansion is heading overseas. Back in 2008, though, it was just one truck and $60,000. It's really hard for us to find a moment where we reflect and we're like, whoa, this got really big, just because it's been a slog. I say that too because I sometimes hear these podcasts, sometimes, where the founders are like, I just wanted to make yummy ice cream and I turned around one day and we were worth, you know, 200 million. I'm like, it's kind of bullshit. Van Leeuwen Ice Cream, which Ben founded alongside his brother Pete Van Leeuwen and Australian native Laura O'Neill, markets itself on its high-end ingredients. Cream, eggs, sugar, pistachios from Sicily, chocolate from Ecuador, it's 18% butterfat and 6% egg yolk. And originally the idea was never to have scoop shops at all, just to sell super delicious ice cream from trucks. In the plan from day one, and I still have the original business plan, was to build hundreds and hundreds of trucks and not do scoop shops. We loved that trucks had no rent. We loved that they were a much lower capital cost to start. Two years into running trucks, we had the opportunity to open a I think it was a 100-square-foot store in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. We opened that store, and within six hours of opening, we said we're never building another truck. Stores are so much easier to operate. As I'm saying this, I think a lot of people came to this realization because most retail businesses are not out of trucks, they're out of stores. 
how do you figure out the location of your stores? Is the theory that um, if you create it, they'll come, or do you go to where the audience is? You know, in our business, in ice cream, it's not if you build it, they will come. A lot of our customers are impulse. Um, so they've just had dinner, they've just seen a movie, and they decide to get ice cream. You often won't get in your car and make a special trip for ice cream because it's like a you know, 10 to 20 minute experience, not a 60 to 120 minute experience, which you get on restaurants. So we look for restaurant co-tenancy. Um, we look for foot traffic, which is hard to find in most cities in America because most cities are vehicular. Um, therefore, the pedestrian cities, so New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Washington, D.C., are really good for us because we understand them. Um, you can go and look at a neighborhood and within two minutes say this is going to work or this isn't going to work. Whereas in, I don't want to give away our new markets, um, but so I'm going to make one up. If we were to visit Scottsdale, Arizona, it's much harder. I mean, especially because of the heat, you don't see people walking around. So the traffic is gonna be driven literally by people driving to the store. So in those markets, you need the data more than in foot trafficked um, pedestrian markets. Has the data and your gut ever led you astray? I mean, have you ever looked at where, have you ever opened your store thinking that it's gonna be really good and it just not worked? Yes. Um, Boulder, Colorado, which is an awesome town, ranked super high. And we visited Boulder, where we had been before, and we looked at Pearl Street, which is kind of downtown Boulder. And we also looked at the 29th Street Mall. And a real estate broker showed us the data and he said, a lot more people come to the mall, you're going to do better here. And our gut said, no way, no way, no way, no way. But we weren't local, so we went with the local knowledge slash data. And again, the store's making money, but it is one of the lowest performing stores in our fleet. So that was an example of where our gut said, don't do this one. The data said this is going to be awesome, and our gut was right. It was a really great lesson. Um, you know, it's it, it's a lesson not only in trusting your gut, in, in trusting your gut when you have experience. I mean, we've been I've been selling ice cream since I was 18 years old off of ice cream trucks. I've been running Van Leeuwen for 15 years, so the gut gets better and better, right? So we really can trust our gut now. So, so I think the lesson is trust your gut when you're experienced, um, one. And then two, definitely trust the experts, but question the experts. So in that situation, we were saying, this is someone with expert local knowledge. And that knowledge and that um, recommendation completely counters our gut. And our gut was right. So question people, um, particularly in, I mean, business is artistic and how you're choosing locations. So there isn't a concrete way to do it. Um, so, so there are really no experts. It sounds like you need to train your gut and also feed it a good diet of data. Train your gut, feed it a good diet of data. We, I mean, I guess, and when I say gut versus data, our gut has the data, right? Our gut has the data of opening 50 stores. Um, you know, I hope 
in two years from now, we'll say our gut has the date of, you know, having opened 150 stores. Then it gets better and better. Um, I was just doing a tour of, again, I don't want to give it away because we're secretive about our new market strategies, but it was a tour of a city in the south. And we looked at nine neighborhoods and I could instantly, I mean, not instantly, but within two minutes, say yes or no. Say this is going to work, this isn't going to work. And part of it is if you go to a new development and they're investing $35 million into this new development, it's a huge risk, right? If there's nothing around that development, it's not too big to fail. If there's 1,200 residential units going up and, you know, $1.8 billion of capital going into the project and 30 retailers, you kind of just instantly know, like, this can't not work. Um, this has to work. The company's growth, I mean, Van Leeuwen's growth has really coincided with retail's reckoning, almost in a way. Imagine your conversations with landlords have really changed. What's it been like? How did it, how was it at the start versus how it went as the company grew? I mean, the start was super hard. People just didn't want to lease us stores. So we did, we got in with mom and pop landlords, um, you know, six months of security deposit. Now we try to go for one or two and we did not get some spots that we wanted. There was a corner on spring and either spring in Mulberry or spring in Elizabeth that we really wanted. It was $7,000 a month. Oh my God. So cheap. Probably like 35 now. Um, but you know, they thought we were really risky and we're like, we sell ice cream. Like that's always going to work. And they went with like, you know, quote, international, you know, dry use fashion, which this space has turned over six times in the 10 years since they didn't give it to us. So they should have chosen us. Um, but it's gotten much easier. So, so right now we're going for spaces that are between 600 and 1500 square feet. There aren't very many credit tenants that can take spaces that are that small. So Starbucks, McDonald's, Sweetgreen, Burger King, Kava need a lot, you know, generally, well, yeah, all those concepts, you know, save for maybe a few Starbucks concepts need a lot more space than that. So we're usually not up against national credit tenants for these thousand, 1200 square foot spaces. Um, so that makes it, that makes us very attractive to landlords because um, we're usually their safest bet. Um, but in terms of just finding space, it's city by city. Austin and Miami are really hard. They have a really, really low, a, a high retail occupancy. But in New York, I'm always able to find a store in a neighborhood that I want within a few months. Um, it's so competitive here. There's so much turnover. Um, it's so expensive to run a business. So if you are not killing it, and or working really, really hard to squeeze everywhere you need to until you start killing it, it's probably not gonna work. So I think because of that, there's it seems like there's more turnover here. But but my, my favorite statistic as it relates to why Van Leeuwen is expanding its corporate owned stores so rapidly, you know, 50% a year plus, in 1980, the average food spend out of home in the US 
was 20 cents on the dollar. In 2020, it surpassed 50 cents. At the same time, the top 20 to 30% of earners became like 30% wealthier. They concentrated in cities even more. So you have an environment that that is ripe for the Van Leeuwens, the Sweet Greens, the Kavas, the Just Salads, um, the Nayas, the other ice cream shops or Blue Bottle Coffees that literally didn't exist 40 years ago. You know, I, 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 we used to ask ourselves, why, you know, are we doing something wrong? Why didn't Haagen-Dazs and Ben & Jerry's do this corporate-owned scoop shop thing? Did they see something we didn't? And it's not that they saw something we didn't, it's that the market wasn't there. There was just so much less consumption of food out of home 20 years ago, even less 40 years ago. So, yeah, so the market has grown. And that's a uniquely American thing. Like in Europe, England, they, they spend more out of home, like in, in the cities. But if you go to like France, Spain, Italy, they cook at home. They're not, I mean, even if you're like an investment banker in Paris, you're probably not eating out six nights a week. You know, whereas here, that's just like, that's what you do. The idea is that people will pay up big for a good product, particularly in New York, where people eat out so much. But costs have been skyrocketing. For example, sugar is up nearly 10% between July this year and last year. Packaged cookies, apparently up nearly 8%. And ice cream itself, over 6%. How have you managed through inflation, both from your perspective of buying ingredients and considering whether or not to pass it on to the, to the consumer? So 2022 was so challenging. Egg prices tripled. And as I said before, we are depending on the flavor, we're at five to 8% egg yolks compared to Haagen-Dazs at 1%. Um, and some of our new artisanal competitors use no eggs to save money. Um, and then cream prices almost doubled. So last year was super tough. We took price, we took price in wholesale, we took price in the scoop shops. Um, this year prices came down, not to whatever normal means, not to normal levels but they came down from 2022. So last year was hard. We've made up for some of it this year, which is really good. Um, but for us, making like a truly distinct and a distinctly high quality product is the core of what we do. Um, Van Leeuwen, I think, you know, you can see behind me, like the marketing looks good, the branding's good. We've worked really hard to like create a voice that's authentic to us, but that is all there just to like support the 18% butterfat, 6% egg yolk, you know, wild harvested Sicilian pistachio from the slopes of Mount Etna, you know, with a little bit of sea salt ice cream. Because if that experience isn't special and, you know, truly special, distinct from everything else on the market, like we, my co-founders and I, and therefore then the entire company wouldn't have something to be like genuinely excited about you know, then we'd like really just be in the commodity business. Um, so making a distinct product is paramount to everything we do. Making a product that you don't say, this is awesome, I'm gonna go back once, but I tried this vanilla and this is my vanilla. I'm gonna eat this one for the rest of my life until somebody comes and makes a better one. So that's what we're going for with product. So we want our product to stand on its own, even if you stripped away the store experience, the marketing, the branding, um, 
So, and yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with the, with the eggs. The high eggs gives us a chewiness, the cream gives like a creaminess and a lusciousness. From a business perspective, you, you took on private equity funding in 2020. I assume you were bootstrapped in, until that point. Um, how did that change? Series, series A was 2018, Series B was 2020. Um, we started Van Leeuwen in 2008 with $60,000 that we raised from friends and family. Um, I wish we had sold at double the valuation, nobody would have said anything. Um, so they, they got this, you know, knock on wood, they've seen a good return. Um, so from off $60,000, we built the company for 10 years. Um, and that was really important for us because we were learning so much about how to run a business, how to grow a business. And we didn't want to sell more equity until we felt like we were in a place where we could grow more rapidly in a way that we would not regret and want to change like two years later. By that, I mean like you're always going to get better, right? In three years from now, we're going to say, I can't believe we built stores like that three years ago. But it took us 10 years of doing this business to say, okay, if we can get enough money in to open 20 stores next year, we know we're going to be pretty happy with those 20 stores forever. We're going to want to tweak things. We know we're going to be really happy with the way the product looks on the shelf packaging wise if it's in you know 3,000 stores instead of 300 so yeah 10 years in we were kind of ready to do that but I'm happy we didn't sell earlier because Peter and Laura and I still own the majority of the company and control the company how does it change when you take on money like that from a business that you've built yourself with $60,000 from friends and family Um, I mean, it was a, it was a big relief. Also our series A and series B partners, you know, have been helpful in helping us network, find the right people. Um, and for me, it is, I mean, it is kind of fun having some tension and some pressure. Um, so I really like it. But yeah, as I mentioned, it was a huge relief. Like one of the reasons we finally decided to do it was financial like stress absolutely sucks. And we did it for 10 years, you know, 10 years of like winters where we always knew we'd make it, but barely made it, you know, somehow figured it out. And we're just like, is potentially being a little richer in the future worth holding on to every unit of our equity for dear life and we said no and it also allowed us to expand more rapidly the next expansion is heading overseas this month van Luen opened up in singapore singapore is a small market it's a hyper consumer wealthy market um, and because we've not done international licensing before we wanted to i don't want to say test it because i know it's going to work but we wanted to do our first one in a smaller market, sort of get the feel for it. You know, we'll, we'll max out at like five stores in Singapore and feel the Asian market out. Um, and it kind of will give us a base to sometimes be there and look at other cities and countries in, in the region. So it's a lot. But Singapore, I mean, also like Singapore was 
when the Economist data came out this year and New York and Singapore were tied for the two most expensive places on earth to live, which is good for expensive ice cream. So it's a licensed store. Does that mean it's a franchise? How does that work? Yeah, same thing. Um, so it will be a franchise run by a group in Singapore um, who also runs Luke's Lobster and Lady M, um, who we've been planning this with for almost three and a half years. Um, so a really long time. Um, so it'll also be our first go at that. But we've been very hesitant to ever franchise in the US and we probably never will um, because we need seasoned operators who have proven track records of successfully running, you know, multi-unit, at least a dozen restaurant concepts. So finding that in Singapore was really important versus the, which, you know, I, I would love to do this in a way, but I know it would be really hard to pull off. I mean, we receive dozens of messages and emails a month from people in different cities in America and all over the world who love ice cream and want to start an ice cream shop and want to franchise Van Leeuwen. And as much as we'd love to say yes, um, working with a sole proprietor to franchise at our scale, we're just like not set up to deliver the kind of support that they would need. So the seasoned, highly experienced multi-unit operators for us are the um, most important thing in finding a franchise partner. So that's going to be the approach as you expand in Asia, to, to only do franchise. You're not going to open your own stores, you're going to work with people who, I guess, know what they're doing. Yes, that's the idea. Um, if it's a big enough market, we would potentially do a joint venture. Did you predict when you started off that it would have this enormous run? Um, no, I mean, not at all. And I, I don't say not at all because it's like I knew we were going to kill it. It's like we're really ambitious and we were doing something very normal that works. Ice cream works. So it's all in the execution. And we care like enormously about making great tasting food. And we have, I think we have pretty good palates. Um, and again, just because we care. So we kind of knew that if we like were hyper-focused on that, and we we're just as hyper-focused as controlling our expenses in ways that does not affect the customer experience, the team member experience, it would probably work. Um, and we wanted to grow it because A, it's fun, B, we want to make money. So no, I mean, we always wanted to make it, you know, a bigger business. So, and it's also, I mean, the other part of this is there's so many people, really hardworking, you know, smart people, like us like trying to do this so if you don't like work really hard and you know obsess over your product the guest experience a team member experience like i don't know, i don't think it could work so i guess in short like it takes a ton of work but from day one we wanted to do that work so we kind of expected that doing that work would allow us to sell millions and millions of ice cream cones and ice cream pints a year That's Ben Van Leeuwen. He's the co-founder of Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. We're covering how things like heat waves affect commercial real estate at the moment. We've got an interview about that on the website. Also on Friday, there was a development in the Crowd Street story. Um, we have a story about that on our website as well. 
If you like this podcast, you like the guests or the information, you should subscribe and you should also give it a rating. It takes two seconds. Please give it five stars.